Addiction. I've always been fascinated by this human condition. Fascinated, scared and completely intrigued. The dictionary defines addiction as the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing or activity. Synonyms. Dependency, dependence, habit, problem. Problem being the operative word. According to the National Institute of Drug Abuse in America, it's even considered a brain disease because drugs change the brain. They change the structure and how it works. These brain changes can be long-lasting and can lead to self-destructive behaviours. Why do we do this to ourselves? Edgar Allan Poe, acclaimed writer, says, I have absolutely no pleasure in the stimulants in which I sometimes so madly indulge. It has not been in the pursuit of pleasure that I have periled life and reputation and reason. It has been the desperate attempt to escape from torturing memories, from a sense of insupportable loneliness and a dread of some strange impending doom. It's a Sunday kind of love. I'm Maya Tan. And today, I'm exploring the nature of addiction in human beings through film, some rather gut-wrenching films. So listeners beware, and if you have little ones in the car, it may get a little inappropriate. Now, there are many different kinds of addiction. It could be tobacco, something as pure as water. It could be the smell of your lover's hair. Whatever it is, if you can't get enough of it, if you're consuming too much of it, and it's starting to get unhealthy, but you just can't help yourself... You're an addict. So I've got a number of films lined up that are iconic of different kinds of addictions, beginning with this quote by Chuck Palahniuk. He writes, I admire addicts. In a world where everybody is waiting for some blind random disaster or some sudden disease, the addict has the comfort of knowing what will most likely wait for him down the road. He's taken some control over his ultimate fate and his addiction keeps the cause of his death from being a total surprise. That was taken from the book Choke, where the protagonist, Victor Mancini, is a medical school dropout and an anti-hero for our deranged times. He has to pay for care of his mother who's in a home. And uh, so Victor has devised an ingenious scam where he pretends to choke on pieces of food while dining in upscale restaurants and then allows himself to be saved by rich patrons in the restaurant who, feeling responsible for Victor's life, go on to send checks to support him. And when he's not pulling the stunt, Victor cruises sex addiction recovery workshops for action, visits his brain-addled mom and spends his days working at a colonial theme park. There's also a movie based on choke, Um, It did okay on the Sundance circuit, but had a mediocre rating with the critics. It stars Sam Rockwell as Victor, Kelly MacDonald as his love interest, and Angelica Houston as his mom. Excuse me, miss. That mole on your thigh? Yeah. Might want to get that looked at. Melanoma is the most common cancer for women, especially blondes. What's your name? Victor. I'm Terry Daiquiri. It's not my real name. 
We are not born evil sinners or perfect knockoffs of God. The world tells us whether we're heroes or victims, but we can decide for ourselves. My name's Victor. Sometimes the best place to start is at the beginning. I am the backbone of colonial America. The tour guide. I'm a historical interpreter. Hi, Victor. How art thou? That's funny. She's an amazing woman, your mother. She's getting worse. She never knows who I am anymore. Who am I today? Some guy named Fred. Oh, you'll never change Fred. So now you want to sleep with your mom's doctor. What time do you get off? You don't have to do that. What? Try to have sex with me. Oh, I really do. And this is where it kind of goes off the deep end. All I had to do was answer one simple question. What would Jesus not do? You can't fool people into loving you. Want to bet? Apparently, you're capable of having sex with everyone but me. The fact that some part of you resisted turning this into the usual nothing? I think maybe I'm one I'd like you instead. Maybe you're not so bad after all. No, dude, I am. I really am. Hey, you changed your hair. Yeah, because of what you said about blondes getting skin cancer. Good thinking. I just want to belong. Why do we need to escape? Because life is hard work and it all becomes about the survival of the fittest. This is why we love the idea of a superhero. They also say that we only use about 20% of our brain and that our DNA can actually be transmutated to enable other abilities, telekinesis, maybe even the ability to fly. Imagine the possibilities. Limitless, based on a sci-fi novel, The Dark Fields, is one such movie that explores these possibilities. You've probably seen this when it was screened in cinemas and it's definitely showing on Astro, I believe. The film starring Bradley Cooper revolves around NZT48. It's a little pill that changes the life of Eddie Mora, Bradley Cooper's character. While drugs in movies are often popped, chopped, huffed and snorted purely for pleasure-chasing purposes, NCT works a little differently. Instead of temporarily clouding the mind in a euphoric haze, this drug boots your brain into working at almost maximum capacity, providing users with the ability to recite anything they've ever read, reenact and remember anything they've ever seen, quite literally living life to the fullest. Bradley Cooper's Eddie is lost in the grey and lonely world of writer's block when the movie begins, but his world soon blossoms into vibrant life after taking some NCT, and director Neil Berger and cinematographer Joe Willems significantly cranks up the lights to give Limitless an almost effervescent shine as Eddie's life transforms, and he gradually discovers the startling capability of the human brain when laced with this unique nootropic drug. See that guy? That's me. My excuse for looking like this? I'm a writer. Eddie, maybe it's time to let the writing go. But just in case you think nothing ever happened to me. Eddie Mora! Hey! Tell me about this book. Well, how much have you written of it? Not one word. Well, I suppose I can help you with that. You know how they say that we can only access 20% of our brain? This lets you access all of it. They've had clinical trials and it's FDA approved. I just had a curiosity and that's all. 
I was blind, but now I see. A tablet a day, and I was limitless. I now had cultural appetites. Since when do you speak Italian? I finished my book in four days. I like to renegotiate my events. Math became useful. From 12,000 to 2.3 million in 10 days. I'm baffled by this guy. So, Eddie Mora, you do know you're a freak. What's your secret? Medication. Your powers are a gift from God or whoever the hell wrote your life script. I'll open up a line of credit for you. You'll be wanting a few toys. How many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? What's the asking price? 12.5. I'll take it. Everything I have, I want to share with you. What you doing, hon? You think somebody's watching? My brain is skipping time. I have no memory of the last four days. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Your powers are not earned. You're careless with those powers. Have you asked yourself what you're going to do when you run out? You'll die. No one meant to have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. There's no scenario in which you'd lead this life where you don't work for me. No scenario. I see every scenario. I see 50 scenarios. That's what it does, Carl. It puts me 50 moves ahead of you. Worth the risk? What would you do? Robert De Niro adopts the role of a business tycoon that Eddie works with whilst operating under NZT, but he soon begins to struggle when his supply runs out. The movie goes on to show how Eddie attempts to deal with withdrawal symptoms, and there's a criminal conspiracy slipping itself into the narrative to give Limitless an exciting edge. A bit of news, Bradley Cooper is executive producer on the TV series based on this movie, starring himself as Eddie Mora in a recurring role. The series picks up on the story not long after the movie, with Eddie offering the new protagonist, Brian Finch, played by Jake McDormand, some NZT for reasons that are unclear at the moment. Finch gets embroiled in the same underworld conflict that Eddie did in the film, but this time he kind of works with special agent Rebecca Harris, played by Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter, and she gets wise on NCT's power. Something to look forward to here. It's slated to start in the fall. Next up, Addiction to Power, Money and Drugs. But before that, this is Addiction by Cassie featuring French Montana. Sunday Kind of Love continues in just a bit on BFM 89.9.
It's a Sunday kind of love. This is Maya Tan. If you've just joined us, we're living dangerously this week and exploring the nature of addiction, the things we get addicted to, and the kinds of bad behavior we get up to. And I promised you power and money. And most of you would have seen The Wolf of Wall Street already and what happened to Jordan Belfer, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. But there's nothing more iconic when it comes to the pursuit of power, drugs, and money than the movie Scarface. Okay, so what do you call yourself? Eh? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. 1980, Miami. They called it Little Havana, where the American dream had a price tag, and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay. This country, you gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. Scarface. For one brief moment, the world was his. I check his way. She liked me. He must be kidding. What are you talking about? That's a Cadillac. How do you know? The eyes, chick. Never lie. Man, that's the boss's lady, okay? I am the boss. That guy's soft. I like you, Tony. There is no lying in you. Here's to the land of opportunity. We do business together a long time. I know the street. And I'm making all of my connections. Remember I told you when you started, the guys who last in this business are the guys who fly straight. With the right woman, there's no stopping me. I could go right to the top. Word on the street, Tony, is you're not a small-time punk anymore. Supreme Court says that your privacy can be invaded. You sold the house this month? You're spending a lot of money on this counter-surveillance. We're doing 10 million, 15 million a month. Come on. Now that's serious money, you know? Your bank boys gotta come down a bit. Who else can you trust? That's why you pay us when you do. You trust us. You're in good hands with us. Al Pacino is Scarface. He loved the American dream. With a vengeance. Al Pacino, Scarface. Now this film details the rise of a drug lord who eventually comes to rule a criminal underworld powered by white powder. Now, when we think of Scarface, we always remember that iconic shot of Tony Montana, played by Al Pacino, dumping his head in a mountainous pile of cocaine. Written by Oliver Stone and directed by Brian De Palma, Scarface has gone on to become one of American cinema's most famous crime movies of all time. 
and remains one of the most intense and expansive movies about drugs, power, and addiction ever made. My personal favorite, though, is the scene where Tony Montana tries to win the affections of the woman who would be his wife, a very blasé but inwardly amused Michelle Pfeiffer. And there's the scene where they're on the dance floor, they're dancing, and their individual dance moves and facial expressions just says so much about each of their characters. Brilliant, brilliant characterization, brilliant performances and filmmaking. Now, when you think about things like cocaine or NZT, money, mansions, these are things that are not readily accessible. But what's really chilling is when the substance is everywhere, ready for purchase 24 hours a day. The Days of Wine and Roses is a 1962 black and white film starring Jack Lemmon, who plays Joe Clay, a PR guide who falls in love with Kirsten, a secretary played by Lee Remick. Joe introduces Kirsten to the joys of social drinking. They get married, have a daughter. Unfortunately, Joe cannot keep his drinking to social drinking. His habit escalates until he is a full-blown alcoholic. He gets demoted at work for shoddy performances. And Kirsten also finds refuge in booze and nearly burns the house down. The couple get desperate to be sober and they manage sobriety for a while until the lure of alcohol makes them drink again. Can I buy you a drink? Oh no, thank you. I don't drink. Oh, no, thank you. No, no, that's all right. That's fine. But uh, There's special for you. It's chocolate. Go on. Oh, it's good. Mm. It is. We got to talk about something, something serious. I don't know. Sorry. What are you drunk? Oh, I haven't had a drop. Well, what's the matter with you? I walked by the Union Square bar. I was going to go in, and I saw myself, my reflection in the window. And I thought, I wonder who that bum is. And then I saw it was me. Now look at me, I'm a bum. Now look at me, look at you, you're a bum. Look at you. And look at us, look at us, come on. You know why I've been fired from five jobs in four years and it's not politics. Like we always say, it's not office politics or jealousy or any of that stuff, it's booze. It's booze. A couple of drinks. We have more than a couple of drinks, we get drunk. We stay drunk most of the time. Now Joe goes into rehab, but the road is not easy. He falls off the wagon several times. But he's still determined to work and look after their daughter while Kirsten gets completely lost to the bottle. The ending of the film shows her entering a bar, striking a chilling note in the heart. Now, This film received a lot of recognition for being realistic in its portrayal of alcoholism. It shows the many attempts a lot of drinkers have to go through before they actually reach sobriety and that there isn't always a happy ending. So the film does much to demystify the attraction of alcohol, showing how stupid drunk people really are when they think they're being clever and witty. And the chemistry between Jack Lemon and Lee Remick is of course incredible and makes the film all the more depressing as a doomed kind of love story. Probably one of the best films by director, Blake Edwards. And now, unfortunately, on to the more serious stuff. Heroin. Now, there are a lot of heroin films on my list. If you get the chance, do try to catch Christiane F. 
Uh, it's a German film made in 1981. I believe you can actually watch it on YouTube, but please note, it's not for the underage or the faint of heart. That one disturbed me a lot and actually formed my drug-free policy, especially watching it as a child. It just totally scared me off drugs for life. Also catch Train Spotting, Ewan McGregor's Ticket to Stardom. Try to get hold of the DVD with subtitles because the Scots dialect spoken is not the easiest to follow. There's a very striking scene which you have to look out for where Ewan McGregor overdoses and it was just an exceptionally well-crafted scene showing him actually sinking six feet into a mock coffin. Um, you have to see it for yourself. Again, not for the faint-hearted. However, the one that actually hit me really hard emotionally is Rakim for a dream. What is the big deal about being on television? Those pills you take are gonna kill you before you ever get on, for Christ's sake. Big deal? You drove up in a cab? Did you see who had the best seat? I'm somebody now, Harry. Everybody likes me. Soon, millions of people will see me and they'll all like me. I'll tell them about you. Your father, how good he was to us, remember? It's a reason to get up in the morning. It's a reason to lose weight, to fit in a red dress. It's a reason to smile. It makes tomorrow all right. What have I got, Harry? Hmm? Why should I even make the bed or wash the dishes? I do them. But why should I? I'm alone. Your father's gone. You're gone. I got no one to care for. What have I got, Harry? I'm lonely. I'm old. You got friends, Ma? Uh, it's not the same. They don't need me. I like the way I feel. I like thinking about the red dress and the television and you and your father. Now when I get the sun, I smile. Darren Aronofsky is the director for this one and he has a knack for making it appear as though the walls are slowly closing in. His sad, emotional portrait of a desperate aging athlete in The Wrestler won critical acclaim um, and so did his journey into the scattered mind of a young dancer in Black Swan. But before his work with Mickey Rourke and Natalie Portman came Requiem for a Dream. And this is a sickeningly intense examination of addiction, paranoia, and the reluctance to reconcile with reality. Wrecking for a Dream won a couple of awards and uh, shot Jared Leto to stardom. They're great performances by Jared Leto, Ellen Burstyn, Jennifer Connelly, and uh, more surprisingly, Marlon Wayans. The outcome is more terrifying than most horror films, I would say, and it demonstrates how in the pursuit of pleasure, it's so easy to destroy ourselves. It's one of the most difficult films you will ever see about addiction, but it's also one of the greatest. More on addiction and the addicted on a Sunday kind of love. Before that, here's Addicted to Your Love from the Shady Brothers. Whew, 
Stay tuned to A Sunny Kind of Love on BFM 89.9. funny feeling, a feeling undescribable, you know, don't let me go, it's creeping up into my veins, flowing straight to my heart, like butterflies, it's you and I, when you wrap your hands around my waist, love that fills the place, it gets addicting, oh it's addicting. I'm addicted to your love Don't need anything to boost me up and go Cause you're my love drug It's a Sunday kind of love Welcome, I'm Maya Tan Today we're exploring the dark world of our addictive natures And how weak the human character can be Dark stuff, dangerous stuff but fascinating nonetheless. We covered addiction to perfection, to power, money, drugs and alcohol, and now the addiction to other human beings and one of the most basic needs of the homo sapien, sex. Director Louis Mal's 1992 film Damage is about a secret affair between Stephen, played by Jeremy Irons, who's a British cabinet minister, and Anna, Juliette Binoche, his son's fiance. The two meet at a party, she introduces herself as a friend of his son's, and they're immediately attracted to each other. Soon, they are um, doing it, and as Stephen's son introduces Anna into the domestic security that Stephen enjoys with his wife, the two embark on a passionate affair even as Anna and Stephen's son announce plans for marriage. As their risk-taking mounts, Stephen's obsession with Anna escalates to stalking, spying, finally to a tragedy that destroys everything about him but the addiction. I ought to introduce myself. I'm Anna Barton. I've heard about you. I'm sure she's very nice. Stephen Fleming thought he had everything life could offer. Hello, Martin. Hi, Dad. Any news? He was wrong. He's got a new girlfriend. This is Anna, my father. Nice to meet you. Hello. And look up. Yes, Miss Snow here. I'm a friend of the minister's. Give me your address. I'll be there in an hour. My childhood wasn't all wonderful. Roots aren't that great unless something else comes with them. Like what? Passion. All through dinner, I just wanted to touch you. I don't trust her. I've just asked Anna to marry me, and I'm pleased to say she said yes. Of course, he's not Anna's usual type. Mother. Are you sure she's really what you want? You don't know her. When we're alone, she's like no one else. I can't see past you. You must never worry. I'll always be there. Don't follow us. Yeah, hello. Nobody. I've never had feelings like this. I have to get them into some sort of order. You must get out of the way. Who are you? Who are you? Not enough. Not enough for you. Do you think I would have married Martin if I couldn't be with you? Why didn't you kill yourself? You should have killed yourself. It's the end for us. 
With love comes risk. With obsession. Martin! Martin! Comes damage. I thought you could control life. There are things you can't control. So if addiction is defined as being unable to quit a behaviour, despite its seriously negative consequences, then Stephen ranks high on the scale. But what about Anna? There's a scene in the film that reveals her psychology. As a young woman, she witnessed her brother's suicide after he confessed to having uncontrollable incestuous feelings towards her. And then she has an affair with her brother's best friend. Next, she tells Stephen that once she marries his son, they can continue their affair. So Anna likely scores a dual diagnosis. She's a sex addict, drawn to incestuous scenarios, and driven by early trauma. In the end, she's the one who's married with kids, although you get the feeling that incest and addiction are the real winners here. Shudder, shudder. Finally, still on the topic of sex addicts, Nymphomaniac. Released in 2013 to controversy and very little acclaim, this four-hour Lars von Trier epic is everything you ever wanted to know and more about female sex addiction. The few joys and many agonies of the condition are self-narrated by world-class nymphomaniac Joe, played by Charlotte Gainsbourg. A fisherman named Seligman, played by Stellan Skarsgård, saves her from a possibly life-threatening beating, taking her home to recover and perhaps the audience to her twisting, turning tail. Seligman plays the role of a therapist in the movie, with the function of listening, questioning, but never judging. My name is Jo, and I'm an infomaniac. Sex addict. We say sex addict. I am a nymphomaniac, and I love my filthy, dirty lust. Sexuality is the strongest force in human beings. To be born with a forbidden sexuality is agonizing. I love you, Joe. I love you. I love your wildness. When you buy a tiger, right, you also have to feed it, satisfy it. Saying I should have sex with others. That man, you, you are to ask him if he wants to have sex with me. Um, there was a world far from mine I had to explore. Here, your name is Fido. Should I take my clothes off? I'll tell you what to do. And there, get my life back. Ah! That's not how it goes. Most people don't scream until I hit them. I'm looking for a job. I believe I possess some qualifications and that I'm rather unscrupulous. I know all about your qualifications. And they're excellent. Tie him to the chair. That's unbelievable. No one can remove their sexuality, even though it's destroying everything for them. You were a woman demanding her right, and you reacted aggressively, almost like a man, and you fought back. It's very touching, all this. Then you've probably misunderstood the whole thing. Okay, so warning, there are a lot of graphic depictions of sex. And although some critics call it pornographic, the sex is really cold, hard, unappealing and very sad to watch. As she keeps looking for a greater and greater high, she loses more and more of her ability to feel. 
As a film, Nymphomaniac is not kind to the viewer. It's a lot of hard work watching it. But as humans, we're also intrigued by stories, by cinema so real that it makes you feel like you're a voyeur, that you're eavesdropping or watching someone who doesn't know you're watching. So if you'd like to see how Lars von Trier has captured this topic from a research point of view, of course, for your own artistic work maybe, or just to learn about the desolate emptiness of the centre of sex addiction, then do catch Nymphomaniac. Something to look forward to if you're going to watch this film. The seemingly healing relationship between Joe and Seligman takes a surprise predatory turn at the end. If you'd like to explore more on the topic of your own, uh, there are a great number of movies that follow the theme Leaving Las Vegas, uh, one of Nicolas Cage's better films. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a little bit more lighthearted there, starring Johnny Depp. The big, iconic Midnight Cowboy, with a very young John Voight and very young Dustin Hoffman, uh, is the only X-rated film to have won an Oscar, and it also deals with addiction. Gia, starring Angelina Jolie as a supermodel and heroin addict, didn't get a lot of high reviews, but I totally enjoyed watching Angelina Jolie's performance. The top-rated Basketball Diaries, Leo DiCaprio's Feather in the Cap, Drugstore Cowboy, uh, featuring Matt Dillon and Kelly Lynch as a Bonnie and Clyde team robbing drugstores to fuel their heroin habit. Even La Vie en Rose, starring Marion Cotillard about the life of Edith Piaf, has addiction at its root as well, succumbing to opiates to deal with the pain of living. I'm sure you'll have more to add to the list, but it just goes to show how equally fascinated and repelled we are by the topic of addiction. This next song is Addicted by Jameson. A Sunny Kind of Love returns next week. Meanwhile, this is Maya Tan signing off on BFM 89.9. All of my mind, yeah. All of the 